the world's smallest heart pump, a ventricular assist device for high-risk coronary interventions. You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino from the University of Chicago Hospitals, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Siegenthaler. Dr. Siegenthaler is the Associate Professor of Surgery in the Division of Cardiac Surgery. He is the Director of Thoracic Endovascular Therapy and VAD Research and the Associate Director of the Artificial Heart Program at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Dr. Siegenthaler, welcome to our show. Thanks. I thought we would start with just a very general question. Can you explain to our audience what exactly do we mean by a VAD? What is a VAD? Basically, a VAD is a ventricular assist device, which is, to just plainly speak, a pump, which pumps blood usually on the left side from the left atrium or from the left ventricular cavity and ejects the blood into the arterial system, either the aorta or a peripheral artery. So it's a ventricular assist device. So we usually have thought of these types of devices in end-stage heart disease as a bridge to heart transplant, but I understand there's newer devices, and this newest device is called the Impella system. What's different about this system? Well, this system is very, very small. Essentially, the idea came in the mid-'80s to a group of engineers that worked at the Helmholtz Institute in Aachen, Germany, and they felt that with a microaxial flow pump that is smaller than a pencil, that they would be able to pump four to five liters of blood. And what they did, they submitted for, you know, the correspondent of the NIH, they submitted a grant proposal, which they got. And those engineers worked for a couple of years on that. And to everybody's surprise, these pumps, which rotate about 30,000 times per minute, did not make the red cells to burst and to cause hemolysis in experimental animals. And what happened with their findings, they ended up founding a startup company, which is called Impella. And they have been working on this ever since and have been able to further reduce the size of these pumps. So it is basically a new concept, the so-called axial flow pump, which they reduced to a really tiny, tiny size. It's maybe important to say that they were not the very first ones to do this type of a assist device. There was a pump which was called Hemopump, which I think Dr. Wampler developed in the U.S., which had technical problems, though it was the same principle. It was a microaxial flow pump. But other than the impeller, this pump had a long wire which had to be turned with a motor outside the body as opposed to the impeller pump, which has an electrical motor which sits right at the end of a catheter and is catheter-mounted. It's like a micro-electromotor that then spins this impeller in, inside of this pump. So it's so small that you said it can be inserted via a catheter. So can you describe how this particular device, how this particular pump can be inserted during, for example, a cardiac catheterization procedure? Yes. Yeah, so the cardiologist has to put a fairly large arterial sheath into one of the femoral arteries. And then a guide wire is advanced through the iliac vessels up the abdominal and descending aorta around the arch into the left ventricular cavity, and then over this guide wire, 
this Impella 2.5, it's called. This is the smallest model that's currently available. It's then advanced over this guide wire through the vascular tree all the way across the aortic valve. And the principle how it works is it aspirates the blood at the tip within the left ventricular cavity, and then the pump lays across the aortic valve and it ejects it into the aortic root, the blood. And this percutaneous device is able to pump about two and a half liters per minute. So the whole device can be put in percutaneously. We don't need to have any surgical procedure to insert this device? That's right. For the 2.5 device, there is also a 5.0 device, which has about 6 millimeters in diameter, so it's like a normal pencil. This device can be placed after a small groin cutdown, also in the cardiac cath lab, and has been used extensively in Europe for patients who have acute cardiogenic shock with a large myocardial infarction and scenarios like that. If you are just joining us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, and I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Siegenthaler, and we're discussing the Impella, a new type of ventricular assist device that can be placed into the left ventricle percutaneously. So if we have this ability to put this Impella device during a cardiac catheterization procedure, what type of procedures, what type of patients can you see a use for this type of device? Well, the way the approval study in the U.S. was set up is that basically they try to show non-inferiority compared to intraortic balloon pump support. So they designed this so-called PROTECT trial, which randomizes high-risk angioplasty coronary intervention patients with a reduced ventricular function into either balloon pump therapy versus Impella 2.5 support. So this was high-risk patients, patients who had acute coronary syndromes or needed to have a very complicated angioplasty who received the device? Yes. These are patients who have like left main coronary stenosis or just one vessel runoff and a EF that's below 30%. So truly high-risk patients. And usually they were not surgical candidates. These patients, they were not acute MI patients in cardiogenic shock. That's a different study that's being evaluated in Europe right now, but not in the U.S. So how did the Impella device compare with balloon pump? Did we have similar outcomes with both devices? Well, see, the company was running the approval process on two tracks. On one hand side, they designed this study, which in the PROTEC trial, they want to enroll a lot of patients. I think it's something over 400 patients that they want to randomize. And we are currently somewhere below 100 patients So it's 654 patients in 150 sites that they wanted to randomize. So the trial is still ongoing currently, but simultaneously the company also filed for what's called a 510K approval process, which is basically a process where they say this technology has been used in a similar fashion in humans before and it's like an analog technology approval process. And they recently have received the 510K approval. So this study is still ongoing, but the device in the meantime has been approved for use in people, in humans. So if you're in the cath lab and you have a high-risk angioplasty and a patient has a cardiac arrest during the procedure, if the Impella device is in place, can it maintain cardiac output so the patient's hemodynamics can be maintained during that time? 
This is a very, very important question. And we have to be aware that the Impella is truly what it's called, a assist device. It's not a cardiac replacement device. We did a multicenter study in Europe when I was still working in Freiburg, Germany, with this device. And we looked at postcardiotomy patients that were supported with this device. And we made a striking finding that what we did, we measured the cardiac output with a Swan-Ganz catheter. And we looked at the Impella device flow that you can read on the device console. And what we found is that if the patient has one liter more cardiac output than the device is pumping, I'll give you an example. The Impella device pumps four liters and the total cardiac output is five liters. Then we said, this patient's estimate residual cardiac function is one liter. That means he has some remaining cardiac function that's able to eject on top of the Impella device. If we had patients who had an estimate residual cardiac function of more than one liter, we had an extremely high survival rate of 90%. And that was in a patient population that would have had a predictive mortality of 80%. They all couldn't be separated from cardiopulmonary bypass after open-heart surgery. On the other hand, if the patients had an estimate residual cardiac function of less than one liter, it's really striking that most of these patients did not survive. So to answer your questions, if a patient has a malignant ventricular arrhythmia or a cardiac arrest while the PTCA is performed or the stent is placed, then this device will maintain a blood pressure, will maintain hemodynamics and buys the cardiologist time to correct whatever is not good with the coronary flow at that point. However, if the patient comes in several hours into a large, let's say, anterior wall myocardial infarction and virtually has no cardiac function, then this device probably will not help the patient to survive. It's simply a assist device and cannot replace the entire left ventricular function. Now, sometimes we will leave intraortic balloon pumps in for a day or two or three while we try to improve cardiac function. Can the Impella device be left in longer than the procedure? How long can it be left in a patient to assist the ventricle? You know, it's the same as with the pumps that got approval like 30 years ago for ECMO. They, all these devices seek approval for a short time. And then what happens, the physicians who use it, use it longer. So the approval that Impella submitted was up to five days. And it was the same in Europe. This device was approved for five days. But when we looked at our series, we had several patients who were supported eight to 10 days and had no adverse events related to that prolonged duration of support. So by all means, if a patient has marginal cardiac function, just had a high-risk PTCA, they can keep that Impella device in place to get some ventricular support until their myocardium has recovered. One of the contraindications to balloon pumps was patients who have severe aortic insufficiency. Does the Impella device have the same problem, patients who have aortic valve disease? Aortic valve insufficiency per se probably isn't a contraindication. However, if a patient has one of those sclerotic thickened aortic valves or aortic stenosis, then it's contraindicated. The reason why is that this device depends upon, you know, pliable soft aortic valve leaflets that can close around it. So there is not much aortic valve insufficiency by this catheter that goes across the valve. If you have a thickened sclerotic leaflet, however, 
you would have to anticipate that you would get massive aortic valve insufficiency and therefore it shouldn't be used in such patients. Also, it shouldn't be used if patients have thrombi in their left ventricular cavity for obvious reasons. You would probably dislodge that thrombus and then cause thromboembolic complications with the device. This will be a fascinating area to watch in the future to see how we can help many of these very sick patients. I want to thank Dr. Michael Siegenthaler, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the world's smallest heart pump, the Impella device, which has now been approved for high-risk coronary procedures. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library on on-demand podcasts. And thank you for listening.